When you talk about investing and risks, I think the default that people think about is changes in price you know, the, or changes in value. A lot of the investment risk that people see is a function of watching the news or checking websites and checking their accounts all the time. You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Welcome to Episode 6 of Financial Clarity for Doctors. Today, we're actually going to talk a little bit about investment risk. I am here with Corey Janoff. My name is Rochelle Vanderzanden, in case you don't remember that from the last five episodes, which I'm sure you listened to. With investing, we do find that there are a lot of people that have fear surrounding investing. There's a lot of risks that are associated with it. And they understand that part of it, but they might not understand the benefits necessarily. So we did want to just talk about those risks, kind of air it all out, make sure that people understand what the different risks are, and hopefully put people at ease a little bit to a certain extent. So we're going to try to talk about that today. As always, if you guys have any questions, feel free to email us and let us know if there's something else you want to learn about with investments. But today, we're just going to launch into those risks, especially considering what the market has done lately. Corey, you want to talk about some of those? Sure. Um, When you talk about investing and risks, I think the default that people think about is changes in price, you know, or changes in value. Will my investments go down in value? That's what most investors are concerned about. But really, that's one of of several risks that plague investors and and people when they're trying to achieve their financial goals. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, We would call that one investment risk, the risk that that things will change in value. Uh, There's also inflation risk, which is Things get more expensive over time, loss of purchasing power due to inflation. Uh, things get more expensive as time goes on, so you'll need to, to spend more money every year uh, over time to maintain your standard of living. The fear of missing out, I think uh, this one can get a lot of people. You, you feel like if you don't jump on a certain opportunity or investment that you're going to miss out and, and forever be plagued, and uh, we can talk a little bit about um, the, the truths and um, maybe not so truths of that one. <laughs> And then I think the biggest risk of all is just the risk of not achieving your financial goals. You know, forget about the market, forget about um, inflation, forget about taxes, everything. I mean, they're all, they all tie into this, but, but are you going to be able to achieve your financial goals or not? And that's the biggest one. Are we doing what we need to do to achieve our goals? And the individual investments that you pick really play a much smaller portion in that than you may think. So we'll digest, uh, dive into and digest all that stuff here today. I think a lot of the investment risk that people see is a function of watching the news or checking websites and checking their accounts all the time. And that's one that I think people are overly focused on and don't understand necessarily what the point is. So when we have that risk of investment risk and seeing our investments decline, a lot of it is focused on what's happening in the short term. So we are worried that the market went down today. We're worried that it went down this year. We're worried about all sorts of things like that. But for a lot of people, it doesn't necessarily matter that much what's happening right now. 
we do want to be very careful when we're looking at any money we need in the short term. That investment risk is not something that we want short-term money exposed to. So if you have an emergency reserve account, for example, that's money that you have to fall back on in case something happens. We don't want that exposed to the stock market. That is too risky for your short-term money. If it's something else, like maybe you're saving up to put a down payment on a home, that's another great example of not wanting it to be exposed to that investment risk. So there are definitely some situations where the stock market is too risky for your money, and we just want to be very careful and cognizant of that. But at the same time, the risk that's associated with that market is not as concerning for your long-term money or for your retirement savings. So we see all of this volatility, and one of the really important things that we try to tell our clients is to tune it out to a certain extent. We want to be aware and we want to be informed people but we don't want to be fixated on every dollar and every percentage that something is declining or even increasing because that's not what your long-term performance is going to be based on. It's not going to be based on the day-to-day. Yes, and with that home down payment or emergency reserve example, like if you're saving up for that home down payment, last thing you want is to see the money you have saved up decline in value because then when you're ready to buy the home, you don't have enough or you don't have as much as what you started with or what you put into that account. So eliminating that investment risk from your short-term goals, I would define short-term as anything under five years. Let's avoid the stock market completely um, if we need that money back within the next several years because you just never know what could happen with the stock market. Uh, but with our long-term accounts, you know, for a lot of people listening here today, let's just throw out the usual retirement goal. Um, you know, many of you aren't going to be retiring for another 30 years. So we, we've got many, many recessions, many different presidents, many economic cycles that we're going to live through. We can promise you, your investments will decline in value from time to time over that long time span. But if the goal is is 30 years down the road. And, uh, and your retirement account goes down in value this week or this month or this year, it's not fun to look at when you get your retirement account statement, but you're not retiring this week or this month or this year. So it's okay. We have time on our side to let those investments rebound and recover and continue to grow. But really, the, you know, we got to keep things into perspective here. With, like Rochelle said, the, the media doesn't do us any favors. Uh, investment or, or, or uh, companies' reporting methods don't do us any favors either. You know, every company is required, if they're a public company, to report out their earnings and results every three months, which is insane. You know, we got to report how we did over three months, and that's going to project our, our long-term uh, growth and results and potential. And, and investors are going to be uh, benefiting or plagued by by every three months that we we report out those those numbers. So. For a long-term investor, I mean, it, it's it's really just a blip on the radar when you're looking at those short-term increments. So we really need to keep in mind what we're investing for and the time horizon of those investments. And yeah, if it's short-term money, let's avoid that potential risk that our investments could go down in value. But with long-term money, it, it might be a welcome risk that you want to take on because you give yourself some potential for long-term growth by taking on an investment that that has its ups and downs and potential to go down in value. You're going to be hopefully long-term rewarded by taking on that additional risk. Up to a certain extent, of course. You know, we don't want to go riverboat gambling with the money, but you know, smart, calculated, diversified stock market risk, that's kind of what we're talking about here. 
And the issue that we're more concerned about probably with those long-term dollars is inflation. And I think that that's a risk that a lot of people don't pay enough attention to. Mm -hmm. So if you were a very conservative person and you were concerned about the stock market and you're saving for retirement and you just don't want your money in the market and you stick it under your mattress or even in a savings account, when you pull it back out and you go to retire, those dollars are just not going to buy as much goods and services as they did when you put it in the mattress. Your Netflix subscription will cost more, your housing, your food, everything costs more over time. And when we're talking about a long period of time, like 25 or 30 years, it costs significantly more. So there are just not any other ways really to see growth that helps you combat that inflation like there are with investing. So the goal with investing in the stock market is you take on that smart, diversified risk. We don't pay quite as much attention to it in the short term. We obviously want to make sure that we're on top of it, but not watching the news headlines every day. And we let it grow for us, and we have it in a diversified portfolio that can hopefully combat inflation, maybe get us a little extra so that we have a little growth in our accounts and we have more of a a buffer in retirement and more to live on in retirement. The last thing we want to do is be too conservative and then just not have enough because we didn't save enough or we didn't invest appropriately for that time horizon. Absolutely. Yeah, the the uh, inflation risk, you guys can look back at just when you were kids, what things cost, a candy bar, a movie ticket, and then compare that to what they cost today and it gets more expensive over time. If you look at historical average inflation, depending on who you ask and what data you, you look at, the numbers might differ a little, but call it a ballpark 3% average historical inflation rate um, in our modern history. So if that's the case, that means every 25 years, cost of living is going to double. A Snickers bar that costs a dollar today is going to cost two dollars 25 years from now. The movie ticket that's ten dollars is going to be twenty dollars. The you know car that is uh, you know I think right now the average price of a car is thirty five thousand. It's going to be seventy thousand for your average car 25 years from now. I think the only thing that doesn't get more expensive over time is televisions. You know, <laughs> it's cheaper to buy a flat screen TV today than what it was ten or twenty years ago. But they always get fancier, so go. then they get more expensive anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if you want the fancy. TV. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but for the most part, yeah, consumer atro- electronics aside, most things tend to get pricier over time. So uh, we need our investments to grow over time in order to be able to continue purchasing those things. Now, there's no guarantees your investments will grow over time. Who knows what the future holds? And depending on what you're investing in, you know, luck will will play some factors into it. But you know, we, we we can only do we can't control what our investments do. We can only control where we invest the money and how much we're we're saving and putting away. And historically, yes, stocks have gone up gone up over the long run. Um, hopefully, that trend continues. Housing prices have gone up. You know, things people that in, things that people invest in tend to uh, over periods of time appreciate. If they didn't, people would stop investing in them. So. Uh, if we can you know, be diversified um, and not concentrate our, our money into, into one single asset or asset class to reduce the risk that that, that area doesn't do well um, and, and hurt us poorly. But over a long period of time, um, we need our investments to grow to outpace inflation. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a long road ahead to achieve our financial goals. And we do see people on the opposite end. So you're talking about that fear of missing out. And I think that comes in a few different forms, but there are some people who 
really want to get invested and really want to participate in the market and maybe they're not necessarily paying attention to the other parts of their plan. But I think one place where this is very, very relevant is when you are talking about tax advantaged accounts specifically because you have contribution limits each year for how much money you can put into these accounts. So when you don't contribute to those accounts, it's not like you can go back and make that contribution. Each year moving forward, you can still only put that dollar amount. So as a Roth IRA is an example, you can only put $6,000 a year into that. Every year that you don't put $6,000 into it, you've missed the opportunity to do that. So we don't necessarily want you to beg and cheat and steal and rack up credit card debt <laughs> to fund a Roth IRA, but it is important to make sure that you're prioritizing things like that. And I think you had some other ideas about that fear of missing out too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for some of you, you, you can't directly contribute to Roth IRAs, but we've, I think we've mentioned the backdoor Roth IRA before, and maybe we do a whole episode on that. Uh, but whatever it is, any retirement account has its limits from uh, year to year of how much you can put in. And, and I guess, yeah, that would be a real uh, thing that you're missing out on if you don't fund those. So we mm -hmm. want to try and capitalize on those um, uh, on those accounts that, that cap our investment limits each year. But uh, but also we got to be cognizant of our other goals, our other goals, and not um, you know do something just because we're only allowed to do a certain amount. And I think the the fear of missing out applies to you know the shiny new object. You know the mm -hmm. new uh, the new the next big thing when it comes to investing. And we got to put our money in this, otherwise we're going to forever be plagued because we'll, we'll we'll not realize the successes. We're going to miss out on on the next Google or Amazon or whatever. You know, not saying you should um, necessarily invest in those individual companies. Um, this definitely isn't a recommendation to do mm -hmm. so. But you know what I'm talking about. There's always something new and exciting that the media grabs hold of, and this is the next big thing. And um, you got to take advantage of it or, or you're going to miss out. But I guess, it, it, I bet if you were to ask someone you know, who's much older and wiser than we are you know, to look back on their life and say, hey, do you, do you regret, what are your biggest regrets when it came to investing? I don't think they're going to say, you know, I really wish I put my money in this stock or this company or this you know, private placement or opportunity because I, I really missed out um, and I'm, I'm regretting my life now because of it. You know, you, I think you... you it's gonna. It's not gonna be as as extreme as you may think. Um, the results probably aren't gonna be as grand as you anticipated. Um, you know, so so don't worry too much if you don't have the ability to invest in a given thing that you may want to uh, at any point in time. Because you know who knows how it'll pan out. But um, yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look back and see how something performs, but you can't look forward and see how something performs. So when you're looking at those things and you think, oh man, I really wish that I could get into this, it could be something that declines in value by half mm -hmm. the next year. You don't know what's gonna happen. So yeah, we just wanna take a, a more consistent approach yep. instead of just doing the hot new thing. Yeah, so be disciplined, be diversified, stick to a strategy and a plan. And if you do have some extra money that you can invest in that new shiny object, sure, let's let's put a little bit in that area. But we don't want to totally overhaul our overall strategy and our goals just to to see if we can hit a home run on this on this next big thing. Absolutely. So, which, speaking of goals, I think that's probably yeah. one of the biggest risks that people face is just not achieving their goals. And there's a lot of that that just comes down to not doing enough to work towards your goals. So you may pick the right next best thing, but if you didn't invest enough to begin with, it's still not going to get you to your goal. 
So it's a pretty small contributor to, to what you're actually trying to achieve, like the investment that you pick. What matters is that you're disciplined and that you're saving enough and that you're controlling for all of those things that you can control for. We can't necessarily control for investment performance, but we can control for how much you're saving, how long you work, all of those kinds of things. And the more you can do to reduce your cost of living and achieve your goals, but establish realistic goals is really the thing. Like maybe you can't retire at age 50, but maybe you can retire at age 55 and do a little research to see what is doable for you. And you can do that in lots of different ways, just making sure that you are checking in on your plan every year and make sure you're on track and don't ignore it. There's no set and forget with your retirement plan or with your financial plan as a whole. Like we just want to make sure that we're paying to that, paying attention to that. And when there are situations where things don't go your way, like keep in mind that that's gonna happen from time to time and maybe we reevaluate what our goals are a little bit, but try not to digress or like, yeah, don't get off track because of things like that. We wanna make sure that we're still doing our best. I think having realistic expectations really helps with this. Um, you know, the classic example is someone who wants great returns but no risk. You know, they just want their investments to always go up. That's well, everyone. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> I, you know, once you find that investment, let me know, and uh, and I'll quit my job and just put all my money there. But it, it, it doesn't exist. Um, there is no such thing as an investment that only goes up in value at a significant clip without any. Um, you know, possibility of decline. So it's going to happen if you're investing in in stocks or, or you know real estate investments or really anything that gives you the any smidgen of growth potential above you know a CD or fixed savings account rate. There's going to be a possibility that it doesn't pan out as as you hoped or that it does decline in value from time to time. So understand that going in, you will see the money that's in your retirement plan at work decline in value from time to time. Because Absolutely. in your retirement plan at work, the only thing you're likely investing in is mutual funds. And your mutual funds are most likely comprised of stocks or bonds. And the stock market goes down from time to time. Uh, very often, you know, throughout, I think, history, uh, if you look at the last 30 or 40 years, every single year, the stock market goes down in value. And the average is about a 14% decline per year. So just understand that every year, your investments are going to go down by probably fourteen percent uh, mm-hmm. on average. So it, it's but they end the year up. That's the <laughs> yeah three out or of on average. Yes. Yeah, on average, three out of four years stocks end the year positive, but one out of four years they end the year negative. However, throughout all those years, even in the years they end positive, they they experience some steps back at some point in time. Um, so just understand that going in that you will experience periods of time where they decline in value and that I think will help you uh, stay on track and stay on course over the long run. The last thing you want to do is try to sell out of something because it's performing poorly without considering that more carefully because there is a lot of emotion that goes into investing because that's that's your nest egg. That's very important to you. It makes sense that that would be an emotional thing for people. But when you try to sell out of something and then buy back into something in a way that's advantageous, a lot of times we end up doing the opposite. We end up selling because something is going down, and then we end up buying when something is going back up. And that's not good for your investment accounts. I've heard that maybe we should try to do the opposite of that. Um, So there's just a lot of things to just try to 
I don't know, try to distance yourself from it a tiny bit and give yourself a little bit of a buffer. Yeah, the, I think we've got kind of a, a contradicting message here because the more you pay attention to your investments, the more you're going to see those ups and downs and, and be uh, influenced to try and make mm-hmm. adjustments or changes when things aren't going exactly uh, the way you would want it. Um, so, you know, we definitely don't want to pay attention too closely because that might, you know, grasp our emotions and make us uh, have some knee-jerk reactions. Um, you know, so the less you look at your investment accounts, probably the better off you'll do. But at the same time, like Rochelle said, you can't just ignore things completely. You gotta, you know, do some some regular maintenance over time. Uh, make sure you're 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 saving appropriately rebalancing your accounts periodically. Like I, I went to the dentist this morning for my every six month checkup and everything was fine, just doing some preventative maintenance, but that doesn't, uh, just because everything looks fine, that doesn't mean I, I don't have to brush and floss anymore until my next checkup. You, know, you still mm-hmm. have to do um, you know, the, the required homework, if you will. So I guess in, in your cases, the homework would be make sure you're still saving and investing towards your goals, sticking to your strategy, um, keeping your expenses in check, and making sure you're setting aside a portion of each paycheck into a diversified portfolio. Um, and then that should hopefully get you on the right track to achieving those goals. And, uh, and, and the individual investments you pick probably aren't going to impact your results as much as the amount that you're saving, the goals that you set, how realistic are they, and your, your understanding and expectation going in of, of how things are going to pan out. And we see a lot of people that say, oh, I want to retire at age 55 and this is how much I'm saving. And straight up, you can look at, without running any projections and think to yourself, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, that's challenging. Absolutely. You have to make sure that you know that what you're doing is putting you on the right track. And just don't assume. Don't assume that because you are maxing out your retirement plan at work and you're setting up a Roth IRA that you have enough going into your retirement accounts. For a lot of people with higher incomes, it's absolutely not enough, especially if they want to maintain their standard of living. Yeah, we talked a little bit that about that in the retirement savings strategies episode um, where, where we encourage folks to try and save at least 20% of their income for retirement purposes. So for many of you listening, doing the 401k or 403b at work and then maybe a, a Roth or Roth conversion IRA, backdoor Roth IRA, that might only be five or ten percent of your overall income, mm-hmm. and if you're spending the other ninety or ninety-five percent of it on life, you know, just you can do some some just quick pictures in your head. You don't even need to run the calculations. If you're saving twenty percent of your income, you're living on eighty percent of your income. You know, so that's going to put you on a much healthier track than if you're saving five percent of your income and spending the other ninety-five percent of it. It's going to take you a lot longer to achieve financial independence saving five percent of your income compared to twenty percent of your income because right. the amount you're spending is less, uh, the amount you're saving is more. You know, percentage-wise, it's going to get you to your end end goal a lot faster. I feel like we're being a little negative here. We're focusing so much on the risks. <laughs> yeah, we need to be more positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely things that you can do to mitigate risk every every time there is. But So we talked a little bit about investment risk and inflation risk, that fear of missing out and not achieving your goals. And there are several things that you can focus on, maybe not watching the news every day, but lots of things you can focus on to keep your plan on track. 
One of them is just making sure you are paying attention to that time horizon, paying attention to how long you have before you need the money back. So if it's short term, you need it soon, put it in a bank account, keep it someplace safe. If you need it in 10 years, you can probably take on a little bit more risk, have a little bit exposure to the stock market. And then if you do have until retirement to hold on to those investments, and that's 30 years for you, then we want to be exposed to the stock market. And we want to make sure that we're doing that very carefully and doing it in a diversified way that makes sense. But the stock market is the best place that we know of right now to gain returns over a long period of time. For, I said best place that's easily accessible yeah. to the majority of the population. Right. You, know, you don't need a whole lot of money to invest in the stock market, especially through your retirement plan at work where mm-hmm. you know there, there is no real minimum investment requirement. Just take a chunk out of each paycheck and put it in and you're invested. Boom. Right. So there's, not, there's really a, a minimal, minimum barrier to entry there. Another way to manage those risks is just to manage your expectations too. And we've talked about this through this whole episode, but it, it's very important and I feel like it's worth emphasizing over and over and over again. There will be things that happen in the stock market. Just know that. And when you look at that, say, okay, do I need this money today? Do I need to sell this today? No. It's very likely that you don't. If you're invested and you do need it that day, then maybe we've made some mistakes along the way, but hopefully not. Hopefully you don't need that money for 10 or 15 or 20 years. And if that's the case, it's okay. Like, it's okay that your value is down a little bit right now. Just think, okay, am I still on track for this to be more in 10, 15, or 20 years? And if the answer is yes, then that's okay. And this is where having a strategy and a plan in place can help you stay on track. So when there are those times that test your uh, your intestinal fortitude and can you can you handle the drops um, you, you can just look back and remind yourself like Rochelle said what's the time horizon on this investment when do I need the money back if it's 10 20 30 40 years from now then whatever's happening this week probably we can ignore but if we need the money soon then yeah let's let's make sure we're protecting from that downside um, and, and just really managing those expectations and give yourself some buffers if you're saving more than you need to to achieve a certain goal based on whatever projections you're using, um, then that's good. That gives you a little bit of cushion. If you're if you're ahead of schedule to achieving that goal, keep up the good work. Maybe you'll achieve it sooner than you had hoped. That's always a good thing, I suppose. Um, and if things don't go as well, you know, if the stock market does decline uh, and struggles more than than you had anticipated, well, you're giving yourself a little bit of a cushion so that you might still achieve that goal within the ideal time frame that you would want. Um, also, keeping your expenses a little bit lower than uh, than you could afford to based on your income is helpful too. So if things aren't as rosy in the economy and maybe you get your, your income decreases a little bit at work, you can still be on track to achieving those goals without having to make any major lifestyle. adjustments to your lifestyle. And yeah, we're talking about just pretty much focusing on investment risks here, but there's there's more than just that that you can't control. If if we do go into another recession and, and companies, hospitals, employers have to make budget cuts, you know they might either cut out some benefits at work, they might reduce salaries or freeze salaries. You may even lose your job. You never know. Mm-hmm. So giving yourself um, some of those cushions to plan, you know, plan for the worst, hope for the best, um, will will set yourselves up for success in the future. Yeah, with the people that we're talking to, we 
try to very intentionally have them focus on the things that they can control. And like Corey was mentioning, part of the part that you can't control is what your employer is contributing to your retirement. So part of being overly ambitious and maybe saving more than you need is not counting that employer contribution in your projections because that employer contribution, it may or may not be there. So if you're saving more to achieve your goals on your own without that, then you might reach your goals ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, then you just get to save a little bit less at that point. And that's, or maybe you're saving for another purpose. Maybe instead of saving for retirement, we start saving to leave something else behind for your family or, or an organization that you support. And those are all great places to be. So the goal is just to control what we can control and hopefully put ourselves in a really good spot. And with these goals, I think one thing that can be helpful is rather than just setting a, a hard and fast goal or you know drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is the target I'm shooting for. Dollar. I want a million you know, dollars by this date. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's either a pass or fail grade in that scenario. I think setting, you know, one thing we do with our business goals each year is we, we set our target goal, but then we set a, a goal that's higher and lower. Um, you know, and it's almost like a goal range, if you will. So at a minute, you know, we'll set our target goal, whatever that is. And then we set what we call the quit the business goal. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you could just call it whatever you want. Like at a minimum, I've got to do this. And you know, we could using an easy example, let's say you're, you're training to run a race and you know, your goal is to run, I don't know, seven minute miles in this race, you know, but at a minimum, you want to be able to run an eight-minute pace. Uh, you got to at least do that; otherwise, you, you feel like you've let yourself down. And then, and then above that, you know, if your target's seven, maybe you set what we call the big, hairy, audacious goal, the BHAG, and that's a six-minute mile pace. And if you're, I mean, it's it's unlikely that you'll achieve it, but if you can, you know, shoot for it, then then that might put you in a spot that's more likely to achieve your actual target. And if you can, then you're just on cloud nine when you do run that six-minute pace. In, in your race. Um, you know, and same thing for, for if we translate it back to financial goals for retirement savings is, is always a common and easy one. Maybe you say, you know, I'd like to retire by 60, but at the latest, I want to be able to quit by 65. Like we got to set it up and, and make sure we're on track. So at the, in the worst case scenario, I'm done by 65. And then maybe my BHAG, my big, hairy, audacious goal is to be able to retire at, at age 55. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm not going to be too disappointed if it doesn't happen, but you know, that'd be great if I could do it. So let's make sure. And then we got to combine that with all of our other goals, college savings, so you know, many. home, you know, charitable giving, you know, whatever your goals are, let's make sure at the very least we're on pace to do the minimum amount that, that would you know, keep us content. And then if we can, let's, let's you know, make sure we're on track for the target. And if we've got some extra funds, let's shoot for the moon. So keeping those um, expectations and, and, and minimum goals in mind so that you're not too disappointed. Uh, you know, make sure you're on track to achieving that minimum. And it may be that you're not in a position to do everything that you would like. And that's where going back to the expectations and being realistic, you know, we, we might have to, to cut some things that are a little less important out of the equation. Yeah, make sure your priorities are lined up with your goals. Like maybe your goal is to retire at age 55, but you haven't adequately, you know, planned for say, paying back your student loans or you really want to put your kids through college too. Like you have to decide which thing comes before the next. Mm -hmm. You can't necessarily do all of them all at once to the extent that you want to. So it's very important just to, to keep all of that in mind. And yeah, I mean, just circling back 
to risk if we're not adequately preparing for what we do want to do, then there's a chance that something gets forgotten. And maybe that's a risk too. Just if you don't do it because you think you have more time and more time and more time and you just keep putting it off, that's a big risk. Like just putting things off and not proactively getting after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the amount you save and put towards your goals is going to do a lot more for you than picking the right investment. And, uh, you know, the, the investments themselves, again, they, in the grand scheme of things, matter very little compared to the amount you actually put towards those goals and, and, and making sure your goals are, are realistic and within reason. I mean, set ambitious goals, definitely push yourself, but let's make sure that you know, we're realistic about what we actually can achieve given our circumstances, and then um, let's make it happen. Yeah, and circling back to all the risks, it is very, I mean, it makes sense to have some fear about this stuff. Let's just put it all in perspective and make sure that we're not overanalyzing and freaking out too much and making poor decisions because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanen Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanen. Check out all of the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.